Well, as you guys heard, we have some very special guests in the house this morning. Pastors Jeff and Beth, who are our pastors. They also happen to be family, but truly our pastors. And um, they've never been here on a Sunday morning. So this is special and honestly a little nerve-wracking. Like they're here (laughs) looking under our bed and looking in our closets. No. Um, But we're so honored. If you guys don't know, Pastors Jeff and Beth are the founding pastors of Valley Family Church in Kalamazoo, Michigan, um, where Eric and I were on staff for eight years before starting Alive. And seriously, Alive Family Church would not be here without them. And we are just so glad that they're here. Pastor Jeff has served on the board of Alive since the very start, and the amount of wisdom and experience he brings, he's invested into this church, whether you realize it or not, is so priceless. So we're so grateful for that. Um, Anything good that we do in ministry, it's because we've been watching them for a long time and continue to watch them, and so we're so grateful that they're here. Um, Pastor Beth will be ministering this morning. Both pastors, Jeff and Beth, will be ministering this evening. So we encourage you to come on back um, for leadership lean, and that will be tonight. But Pastor Beth is speaking this morning, and in addition to co-founding Valley Family Church, she's also the author of 20 books that have been translated. And the you know the basics crash courses that we do around here, those are the books that she has written, Getting a Grip on the Basics, has been translated into 27 different languages. Churches around the globe are using it as a discipleship tool, which is amazing. Sold over a quarter of a million copies. She's got a TV program and all kinds of stuff. So we are super honored to have world-renowned leaders here with us to pour into us. And so, Alive Family Church, would you stand and give a good Alive Family Church welcome to Pastor Beth. Good morning, Alive Family Church. Man, oh man, was that worship great or what? So good. You guys can take your seats. Uh, It's such a privilege, Erica and Eric, for us to be here. And, you know, we know, you know, the time you guys spent with us was a blessing to us. And hopefully you gleaned some things too. But coming here and seeing this and seeing this building, and seeing you all, and what God's doing here, it is something else. You all are just at the beginning of acceleration and exponential growth, and uh, how many of y'all love your building? We got a tour, and it is super cool. Like, all the decor and stuff, it's just really great, but you guys have a great family. We got to hang out with them last night, and the kids have grown up. How old were you, Ella, when you guys left VFC? Do you remember? Six, and now look at you. Were you pregnant with Ezra? Six months old. Okay, so yeah, the kids are growing up. PKs, we told them last night, we said, do you guys know your PKs, pastor's kids? (laughs) Now they do. (laughs) So we're so proud of these guys, honestly. We're just so proud of them and their hearts and their substance and all that God's done in these last six years and all that is to come. And it's really great to be with you all and get to meet you. And it's super fun for Jeff and I because... You know, we're family, and uh, Erica is our niece. Eric is our nephew-in-law, we say. And then my sister, you guys know my sister Kelly, and my brother-in-law Bill. I don't there's somewhere in here. Are you guys back there? And uh, so it's just so good. You guys have to be so proud. I know you are because they're your kids. And uh, Diane and Gary are in here somewhere. Also family. There's Diane right in there. Front row. 
Where's Gary? <laughs> Back row. All right, something's wrong with that. <laughs> but you guys are family and such great friends. And their other son, Matt, was on staff with us for a number of years, too. So that's just super cool to be with family and friends and the body of Christ. And then Gail and Mike, some good friends. Yay! So glad you guys got to come today, too. So anyways, I don't want to spend too much more time because we got a lot to cover And um, I feel like this message um, will encourage you, especially in light of what we sang about and prayed about. So I'm going to share a message today entitled, How Much Do You Have to Hate Somebody? And you might think, what? (laughs) It'll make more sense as we go, okay? So let me pray, and we'll get into it. Father, thank you for this great time at Alive Church. Lord, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll speak to each and every one of us. Customize the message. Lord, make it pertinent to each person. And thank you, God, that eternal fruit will be the result of our time together. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody that agreed said, amen. Amen. Okay, I always like to start off with memes. How many of y'all like memes? I figure if you at least are laughing and feeling relaxed, then God can have a way of getting the rest of the message into your heart. So let's start with a couple of memes. Here's the first one. How many of y'all are campers? Let's put that first one up. Okay, fine. I'll go camping. (laughs) (laughs) here's one. I love this one. When you're three and you just sold your first house. (laughs) I think most of my problems can be traced back to all the Aquanet I inhaled in the (laughs) eighties. Selena Gomez's friends gave her a kidney and Meghan Markle's friend set her up with a prince. And I'm not saying I'm ungrateful for my friends, but I am saying that they really need to step it up. I like this one. This one cracks me up. Me, when someone starts their prayer with Daddy God. Oh, is that it? Did it? There it is. Starts their prayer with Daddy God. Me, do you think that's funny? (laughs) I do too. Me, looking outside to see what chapter of Revelation we're doing today. (laughs) The next one. I tell you, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Great. Not only do I have to forgive my brother, but now I have to do math. It says forgive because it's easier than math. Math is hard. All right, two more. You guys doing all right? Two more. When you're young and you drop something, you just pick it up. When you're older and you drop something, you stare at it for a while, wondering if you actually need it anymore. (laughs) That is actually kind of true. And then this last one is great for the church crowd. Me, after leaving Texas Roadhouse and eating all the free bread at the table. (laughs) I hope that's not you today after church, but, you know, maybe it will be. Anyways, I love memes. How many of y'all like to watch funny memes, funny reels? And just, people are funny. People are funny. Well, today, this subject, I believe, will be encouraging to you guys. Like I said, we're going to talk about how much do you have to hate somebody And uh, it'll make sense as we jump into it. So go to your Bibles. If you've got them, you can pull out your Bibles or they'll be on the screen. We'll start with Matthew 4, 19. All right. And uh, Jesus said these words, you know, these words, you've heard them. Jesus said to them, follow me to his disciples and to us, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I'll make you fishers of men. Well, I remember, you know, reading the scripture many, many years ago as a new Christian and thinking, yeah, that's cool. I want to be a fisher of men. You know, I want to reach people for Christ. And when I became a a born-again Christian, how many of you were like this? When you became a Christian, you were just so happy 
that your sins were forgiven and that you now had your name written in God's reservation book for heaven and you knew for sure, like when you died, there was no more fear of dying. Like you knew for sure when you died someday, you were going to go to heaven. That is a happy day. I remember spending a lot of years as I grew up not knowing where I would go. I was actually hoping for a short stay in purgatory. (laughs) I was hoping somebody on earth would pray me out. But anyways, that's, I digress. And uh, when I found out I could go to heaven and know for sure that that was a reality based on the Bible, I was so happy. I wanted everyone to know that. Y'all feel that same way? But then I'm like, but how do you do that? How do you share your faith in a way that you don't, you're not obnoxious, you don't, you know, turn people away from the Lord more than you pull them towards the Lord. You know, how do you, how do you be a Christian in such a way that you fish for men and you catch them? Well, Jesus made this statement. He says, hey, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Now, sometimes we even talk about this subject, myself included, you, you kind of recoil sometimes. You're like, oh no, is she going to talk about evangelism? Is she going to talk about soul winning? Is she going to, am I going to feel guilty? Am I going to feel like a terrible Christian when I leave church today because I'm not really fishing for men? Like you can recoil from the subject. And I did too for many years, but then I got to thinking, I'm like, no, Lord, you had to have something else in mind. I think maybe we've missed what Jesus was trying to tell us. It's got to be easier than we have made it. And I thought about fishing. So how many of you grew up fishing? This is my fishing pole today. about as good as I fish. Um, my fishing pole's tangled up. That's normal. There we go. All right, that's about as far as it goes. <laughs> How many of you love to fish? You know, you get on the pontoon, you get on the shore, you get somewhere, and you toss the line into the water. Well, when we were growing up, my sister Kelly will remember this, when we were growing up, Dad would tell us the night before, hey, girls, tomorrow we're going to go catch some fish. And we'd be up north at Lake Misaki. And we'd get the lunch packed, you know, the night before and get Dad's thermos of coffee put together and he'd get the worms and all the cane poles, all the old-fashioned cane poles and the bobbers. And we'd, you know, get all excited because the next morning we're going to get up early. We're going to go fishing. And we're going to be on the pontoon and we're going to throw the line in and we're going to watch the bobber. It was an adrenaline rush to watch the bobber. Well, not actually to watch the bobber. It was the rush was to watch the bobber go down. Don't you, y'all know that feeling? When the bobber goes down, you're like, oh my gosh, I have a fish. And my dad would say the line to us. The line was, girls, when the bobber goes down, pull up and snap his eyes out. <laughs> and we thought that was a fishing phrase that everyone said. I found out later it was just our dad, but nonetheless. So when that bobber went down, we pulled up and snapped his eyes out and many times snapped his lips off. And we caught a lot of fish back in the day with our father. Well, the thing is, we loved fishing. Like, it was never one of those deals when dad said the night before, hey, girls, let's go fishing, get the thermos, get the, you know. We never said, oh, what a drag. We hate fishing. Like, we, it was not a drag. We liked fishing. We liked catching fish. So fishing is supposed to be fun. That's my point. Fishing's supposed to be fun. So when Jesus says, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men, this is supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to be guilt trip, and it's not supposed to be hard. So, okay, Lord, then what are we missing? How how can it be fun? 
That's what I want to share with you today. I want to tell you a couple of stories. At the very end, I want to give you four ways, four really practical, fun ways to fish for men. And all the people said, okay, so if you've got your Bibles, go over to uh, Romans 10. This passage to me is kind of the imperative for evangelism, the imperative, like for being a fisher of men. And here's why. In Romans 10, verse 13, it says, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Like, that's amazing. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Then it goes on. It says, how then can they call on him in whom they have not believed? And the answer is, they can't. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And the answer is, they can't. And how shall they hear without a preacher? They can't. And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Well, I remember when this passage first hit me. I was at the end of my sophomore year in college. The end of my sophomore year in college. I was an assistant director of a dorm. I was sitting in my dorm room. I actually had a balcony. I'm sitting on the balcony. My Bible study leader from Campus Crusade for Christ came to visit. And she said, I want to share something with you. I want to share this little booklet called, Have You Discovered God's Plan for Your Life? And I thought to myself, well, yes, I've discovered it. I didn't really ask the Lord, but I've discovered the plan I want for my life, and I wanted to be a dentist. I was studying biology. I like teeth. I wanted to be a dentist. And so she says, well, let me share this book with you. I said, okay, you know, kind of fine, share it. So she shared this book and talked about, you know, living your life in light of eternity, living for eternal things versus temporal things, and so on. And all of that was registering. But then she got to this passage. She got to Romans 10. And she read this. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord, I was like, Lord, that's amazing. Everybody needs to know you. Everybody needs to know they can call on you. I'm thinking this. And then she kept going, and I kept saying, well, they can't call if they don't believe and if they haven't heard and if there's not a preacher. And as she kept talking, I felt like, for me, I felt like the heavens parted over my heart, and I feel like God spoke to me and said, I interrupt your life to bring you this very important message. You're not going to be a dentist. (laughs) And all the people said, (laughs) amen. But you're going to do this. I want you to be a preacher. And I didn't really know what that meant. I was raised Catholic, raised Roman Catholic, and I knew the plan wasn't to be a nun. Hallelujah to that, too. (laughs) And, all the people, and I said amen. <laughs> but I didn't know what it meant to be a preacher. I, I didn't know even what that really meant. But all I knew is if he's looking for preachers, if anybody who calls on the name of the Lord can be saved, and if he's just looking for people to preach the good news, Lord, I can do that. I should do that. I want to do that. Why wouldn't I want to help the Lord, you know, quote unquote? Why wouldn't I want to do that? And I just sensed for me it was a real calling, you know, kind of a verse. Well, then... The first group on my heart to, you know, try to talk about the Lord too was my family. And I used to always pray for my family, every blood step and in-law relative. And so my first, you know, group that was on my heart was my family. And so I remember um, I had gone on a summer project with Campus Crusade for Christ. There was about 50 of us college kids were at the beach in uh, Hampton Beach, New Hampshire, to do beach evangelism for the summer. And I'm a new Christian. I know nothing about evangelism. And the idea that we're going to go up to complete strangers on the beach and talk about the Lord, y'all have fun. I'll be at the arcade playing pinball. But it was part of the deal. They sort of, you know, 
taught you how to just go talk to strangers and ask them two questions. Hey, we're a bunch of college kids here this summer talking to people on the beach about, about the Lord. And if you've got a few minutes, can I share a four-point outline with you and just get your feedback? I'm like, really? People would be receptive to that? Do you know how many people were receptive to that? Everyone. We had no one that said no. I was shocked. The fields are white for harvest. People just, they just needed somebody to talk to them about the Lord. So we took them through a little booklet we read to them, said, you know, what do you think about that? What do you think about that? At the very end of this booklet, we would pray a salvation prayer if they wanted to, and 90% did. Honestly, I was shocked that people were so open. If you just are a normal human being, and you're not shouting at them, and you're just talking to them and asking questions and getting a sense of where they're at with the Lord and eternal things, like people were so responsive. This is the East Coast. This is New Hampshire. So anyways, I'm having a great summer, but meanwhile, my mother and my sisters, Kelly, you might remember this trip, they, my mother thinks I'm in a cult. So, you know, I'm talking to strangers on the beach, let's go rescue her. So they drove out to the Hampton Beach to rescue me from this cult. (laughs) So anyways, but we're praying, me and the group I was with, we're praying for my family on the way out, like, Lord, give us a chance to share the gospel with them and so on. So anyways... Driving in the car one day once they got out there, and my mom's like, what are you guys doing here? And, like, what's happening? And so I said to my mom in the process of it, I said, well, Mom, you know in the Bible, in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said those words. And she paused, and then she said, you mean to tell me if I don't accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, I could spend eternity in hell? Now, I didn't exactly say those words, but that's what she got. And I said, Mom, I didn't say it. Jesus said, I repeated the verse, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through him. And we're here telling people that. You mean, second time, you mean to tell me, if I didn't accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, I could spend eternity in hell? I said, Mom, I didn't say it. (laughs) Jesus said it. Third time, you mean to tell me. If you knew my mother, you can hear that. (laughs) If I didn't accept Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior, I could spend eternity in hell. I was like, Mom, I didn't say it. Jesus said it. And then here's what she said. I was prepared for a lot of things, but I wasn't exactly prepared for what she did say. She said, because I thought she would say, well, how could a loving God send anyone to hell? I had an answer for that one. I thought she might say something else, but what she said was, If you believe that's true, then why did it take you a year and a half to tell your family? I've been trying to, not very effectively, you know, but had been trying to. But what I realized is she got it. And shortly thereafter, she and my stepdad both came to Christ. And then shortly thereafter, through the, you know, really through several other people in our family's circle fishing for men, you know, taking what they knew about the Lord and sharing it with our family. Shortly thereafter, everybody in our whole family, within about a two-year period of time, everybody came to know the Lord. And now we are just like, Lord, what in the world? This is wild. Now you've got Erica and Eric pastoring a church, and now you've got our kids pastoring, and now you've got another niece and nephew in Brazil launching churches all over Brazil. It's like, what in the world? What in the world could happen in your family? Come on, what in the world could happen in your family if you would just say, okay, Jesus, help me to be a fisher of men. 
makes me kind of nervous. What do I say? How do I start a conversation? But the ripple effect and what the Lord wants is everybody who calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. What's he looking for? He's just looking for some preachers. Just looking for some people that will go ye into all the world and take his love and take his message in a very normal way to your family and your coworkers and your fellow students and so on. Well, I want to show you a video clip because this is from an atheist. This is from the Penn and Teller. You guys know Penn and Teller, the illusionists? This is from Penn and Teller. I think this is Penn. Is this Penn or Teller? It's Penn. I think it's Penn. Um, he's an avowed atheist. He says that. But he talks about his respect for people that share this gospel message. So let's watch the video, and then we'll come back and talk. I want to talk to you about this. Uh, I get home from the show, and at the end of the show, as I've mentioned before, we go out and we, uh, we talk to folks and, you know, sign an occasional autograph and shake hands and so on. And there was one guy waiting over to the side in the, um, what I call the hover position after I was old on big guy, probably about my age. And he walked over to me and he said, um, I was here last night at the show. And then he said, I brought this for you. And he handed me a uh, Gideon pocket edition. He said, I wrote in the front of it, and I wanted you to have this. And then he said, I'm a businessman. I'm, I'm sane, I'm not crazy. It was really wonderful. I believe he knew that I was an atheist, but he was not uh, defensive. And he looked me right in the eyes. And he was truly complimentary. And then gave me this Bible. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell, and people could be going to hell, or not getting eternal life, or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, and that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. And I've always thought that, and I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually. I still think that religion does a lot of bad stuff, but man, that was a good man that gave me that book. That's all I wanted to say. Isn't that great? From an atheist, how much do you have to hate somebody? If we really do believe in Jesus, we really do believe his words, you know, there, there's this, this impetus, this, this priority, this imperative for evangelism. But let's make it fun because fishing is supposed to be fun. All right, another couple of verses, and then I'll give you four really practical things, okay? Luke 15 is such a great passage. It's the one about the lost sheep, and we sang about it today a little bit. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, I found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise, now get this, there will be more joy in heaven 
over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. So this is that priority thing again. God is so passionate about going after the one. He loves the 99, but he's going to go after the one. And there's something for you and I. I think we all know that. I think we all know, like, okay, when I think about people in my world, you know, I think about classmates and I think about coworkers and family members and neighbors and just people in my world that may not know the Lord. And, and so then, but I can lose my passion for telling them God loves them, telling them Jesus died for them, telling them, you know, what, whatever it is that God puts on your heart to tell them. I can lose my passion for that for a lot of reasons. He mentioned it. It can be socially awkward. You know, I don't want to like ruin a friendship, but I can guarantee you the girl that led me to the Lord back in my freshman year of college she did not lose my friendship. I am eternally indebted to her. So grateful that she did take the time and the boldness to lead me to Christ. So, but, but how do you stir up that, that thing, you know? <clears throat> well, think about it this way. All of us know the feeling of going shopping with kids. Most of us would know this feeling. You go shopping with your kids. And how many of you know when you're shopping with your kids, you're always doing the head count? Megan, Annie, Luke, Eric. Okay, I've got them all. You, you guys do that when you go shopping? You're counting. Are all the kids with me? Did they leave the shopping cart? Are all the kids together? And you count heads all the time. At least I did. I don't know. Maybe your kids are more obedient. We count heads because <laughs> they're all over the place. And making sure that we're all at the checkout counter together. We got everybody? Okay, good. Well, one time I'm shopping at Myers in Kalamazoo and doing the head count. And we got to the checkout counter and I'm like, okay, Megan, Annie, where's Annie? Luke, Eric, you guys, where's Annie? Where's your sister Annie? And I'm looking around and there's no Annie. You guys know this feeling? Like when you lose a child in the store, that feeling you get. So that's the feeling I had. I'm like, Annie, where's Annie? And so the kids had no idea where she was. And I'm looking all over. And now, now I don't really care what I look like, do I? Because now I'm screaming at the top of my lungs, Annie! Annie! And I'm running up and down, looking down the checkout counters. Where is this kid? Annie! Like, at this point, I don't care about looking like a fool. I don't care about, you know, being inhibited. I've got to find a lost child. And time is of the essence, right? I'm looking at the cashier, like, lock down the store, you know. I've got a lost child. Well, she's nowhere to be found. So we take the cart and the kids, we go all the way back to grocery. We start going up and down, looking up and down the aisles. And lo and behold, there's Annie sitting on the floor in tears in the cereal aisle. So we go up to her, Annie, oh my gosh, Annie, don't leave the group, you know, hug her, bring her back, get her in the car, we get to the checkout counter and, you know, cash out and go home. But here's what I didn't do. This is the point of the story. Here's what I didn't do. I didn't get to the checkout. Megan, Annie, where's Annie? Luke, Eric, you guys, where's Annie? I don't know. I didn't say, well, you know, darn it, I've got three out of the four of you. I mean, I'd like to go home with everyone, but I've got the majority. Are you kidding me? We are not leaving the store, are we, until we have all four kids. So think about that in terms of your world, your sphere of influence, the people in your circle that don't know the Lord. Well, you know, most of my family's saved. I mean, the majority of my friends know the Lord. Yeah, but there's got to be something in us to be like, yeah, but I want everyone, at least have the opportunity, if everyone who calls on the name of the Lord can be saved, I at least want them to have that opportunity. I don't want to be satisfied with, well, you know, most of my friends are, I mean, I don't know. And all the people said, 
Amen. Okay, one more story, and then I've got one more video for you, too. <clears throat> this is um, Luke 15 again. I love Luke 15. If you need to get stirred up on this subject, Luke 15 is your chapter. It says in verse 1, Then drew near unto Jesus all the publicans and sinners. I always say the Republicans and Democrats, but nobody likes that. Um, just kidding. <laughs> it says publicans. I mean, it's right there. All the publicans and sinners were to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. I mean, Jesus was so winsome. And he's the one that told us, follow me. I'm going to show you guys how to be fishers of men. Jesus was such a good fisher of men. He was so winsome. He was so easy to be around. He was not condemning. He didn't judge people and look down his nose at them. I mean, people came to hear him. Who came? The publicans and the sinners. This wasn't like the church crowd. These are people far from God. They came to hear him because he was winsome. I, I, I like that word. He was winsome. He was comfortable, easy to be around, although he never compromised, never condoned sin and all of that, but he was just, he, he was just the kind of person we all want to be and are to be conformed into his image, right? Well, so they all came to him to hear him and ultimately to call on his name and be saved. Well, so sometimes what we do, and we're guilty too, so I'm just encouraging you in this. Sometimes we spend a lot of time around other fish. You know, other people that are believers. And we should, and yay for that. Yay to be around other Christians. It's wonderful. But there's something about getting out there and just loving the people in your neighborhood. We just moved to the villages uh, about a year ago, actually, and in this new season of our life, and we just said, you know what? When we get down to Florida to the villages, we're not even going to tell them we were pastors. We're not, uh, he's a pilot. I'm a stay-at-home mom. That's our alias. And we're just going to love our neighbors. We're just going to love them. We're going to go to every party, every golf league we can get on. We're going to do it. Every driveway party, we're going to go. We're going to just go to everything and just love our neighbors and just listen to them and do our best to just be a light for Christ. And when the door opens and we have a chance to, to say some things that will encourage them, lead them to Christ. Well, so it's super fun, isn't it? It's super fun to get around people that don't know the Lord. And some do know the Lord, but many don't. So it's fun. Fishing's fun. And the, and, and the fish are biting. The fish are biting. But what you don't want to do is just always hang around in your church circles. Because sometimes you can have some mean fish in those circles. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> we had a guy at staff years ago. He moved to Michigan to be a worship leader for us. And he loved Michigan because you could fish. Well, one day he's out in this inflatable inner tube fishing thing. You kind of like waders that, that float. And he's out fishing. So Gary and Diane, you guys might like this because these are the fishing pros right here. If you need help catching actual fish, talk to Gary and Diane. <laughs> Well, this guy, Aaron, he's out in his waders floating in this pond thing, and he's catching one fish after the other. And he's like, I love Michigan. Oh, my gosh, I'm slaying him, he said. Well, he's having a big time, and then he notices two guys on the shore wearing brown uniforms. And they start yelling at him, sir, sir, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, man, I'm slaying him. And they're like, sir. Get to the shore. We should arrest you. You can't fish here. This is the fish hatchery. <laughs> he's in the fish hatchery. Well, no wonder he's slaying them. But see, sometimes as Christians, we can be kind of like that. We're always hanging out in the fish hatchery. We need to get out there. Come on, we need to get out there where the fish are biting. 
We need to get out there with a the catfish or living at the bottom. They're mean. <laughs> we need to get out there and we need to catch some fish. And if we follow Jesus, he said, I'll make you fishers of men. I'll show you how to do it. All right, last little nugget here, and then I'll show you one more video. Four ways to catch fish, okay? Four ways that this could be fun. Number one, stock your tackle box. You got to get some bait. You got to get some lures. Get a couple of bobbers. And when I, by that, I mean get a couple of scriptures. Like get a couple of scriptures that you've committed to memory. You know, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. You always seen that at football games, John 3, 16. Memorize that one. Get, a, get your tackle box with some bait and some lures. Get a couple of links to your favorite podcast that you could say to somebody, hey, let me send you this link. This is a great message. It'll really encourage you in what you're going through. Get a couple of song links. Go to Spotify or YouTube or something. Get a couple of songs. Like I've been sending, one of the bait, pieces of bait I've been using lately a lot, and I love it, is sending people a link to a song. And there's several songs out there right now. They're prayers. One's called In Jesus' Name by Katie Nichols. Y'all should look that one up. So good. You know that song? Another one is um, In Jesus' Name also by Charity Gale. These two songs are amazing songs you can send to people, and I have. And they'll text me back, why am I crying? This is making me cry in, in like a good way. Like they're being touched. God's touching them. Anybody can send a song link, right? Get a couple of little booklets. Get a couple of little things. Stock your tackle box. And then when you have a conversation, you, you're, you're ready to just fish for men. Number two, go where the fish are. I kind of alluded to that. Don't fish in the fish hatchery. Build relationships with people. Just take the, take, get on a softball team. Get on a bowling league. Go do something maybe out of your comfort zone and get around the fish. You'll have fun and you'll be shining the light. Number uh, three, throw out the net, which is what you guys do on Sunday mornings. This is a great net event. Throw out the net. Invite people to church. Host a party at your house. I mean, host something where you just bring a bunch of people in and you get a chance. Maybe the only thing you do that night is you say a prayer. Maybe that's it. Hey, guys, before we leave, can we just say a quick prayer for everybody? Maybe that's it. Whatever it is, but host a gathering of some sort and invite people to the gathering. Throw the net. Number four is cast a line with a bobber. Cast a line with a bobber. Now, this is what we'll wrap up with. How, how do you do that? How do you cast a line with a bobber? I don't even know what to put on the hook. Here's the thing. The fish will tell you. What are the fish biting? I don't even know what to say. The fish will tell you what they're biting. They'll tell you what to say. Jesus said this in Matthew 12, 34. Jesus said, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you and I will get really good at listening to the fish, listening to people, listening, you know, not talking, listening. If we'll get really good at listening, but even more importantly, listening between the lines. What are the fish saying? Because out of the abundance of their heart, they're speaking. So they're going to tell you if they're afraid. They're going to tell you if they're scared. They're going to tell you what they're struggling with. They're going to tell you about their health. They're going to tell you about their fears. I mean, they're going to tell you exactly what they're biting. And then when you listen to people, you find, oh, okay, they're really struggling right now with their kids. Or they're really struggling in their marriage. Or they're afraid of a bad doctor's diagnosis. I mean, People will tell you out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And then you know, now you know, that's, that's what I put on the hook. I give them a scripture, a song, 
a prayer, a phrase. I give him something that is true from God's word that will introduce them to Jesus, that will somehow encourage them. And the Lord begins to reel them in. We don't reel them in. The Lord begins to reel them in. I was talking to a gal down in Florida, and God had just put so much love in my heart for her. I don't know her that well, but I really felt God's love for her. Like physically, I felt that. And so one time we were talking about something, and I said in the process of the conversation, I said, you know, God loves you so much. It can, that can sound trite. That can sound cliche, but th- I felt it. I, and I didn't really feel like, tell her no. I didn't feel that. I, I just felt it. So I said it to her. I said, hey, you know, God loves you so much. And I, I didn't really see any reaction per se, but she told me later. She goes, you know, when you said that, she goes, I, I just can't stop thinking about that. It makes me cry. Well, you know, pe- that, sometimes that's all people need to hear. God loves you. He actually loves you. And so many people don't feel loved, you know? They don't, they don't feel it. But we have a chance to go fishing for men, throw the line in the water, let the fish tell us what they're biting, put something on the hook, and reel them in. And all the people said. See, now doesn't fishing sound fun? Sounds easy? We can do, that. We can do this today. Listen to the waitress. Listen to the people that live in your home. Listen to your friend. Listen and just see what the fish are biting. And say, okay, Lord, what do, I, what do I say? What do I do? And you'll have fun. You'll really have fun being an influence for Christ. And in this, you know, town and with this church, you guys, this place, y'all are just at the beginning. If every one of us went out and did a little fishing, this church will double in the next year. Easily double. What does it take? It just takes all of us. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And all the people said, Amen. I want to close with this video, and then Pastor Eric's going to come and pray us out. But let, let God's compassion touch your heart. You know, it's an older video. You guys will know the song. But just think about people in your world a little bit, and let's get God's heart for people that we know. All right? God bless.
Amen. Amen. Hey, would you guys join me as we pray today? Father in heaven, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. And we're just so stirred up and so thankful for such an encouraging word, Lord God, that we can fish. You called us to be fishers of men as we follow you. And there's so many in our ponds, there's so many in our sphere of influence that don't know you. And Father God, it's not as hard as we make it to be. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just continue to burn on the inside of our hearts. Lord, that we can't let another person go by without knowing where they're going for eternity, knowing how they're doing, to listen, to to bend an ear, to know what bait to use, Lord God. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you'll give us a strategy as we learn this morning. Lord, that that you take away the fear, the social awkwardness. Lord, may we just be believers and followers in you, Lord, and and put all that stuff aside and say, Lord, if you lead us to somebody, you'll, you'll help us. You never leave us in the midst of that conversation high and dry. You never encourage us to go over that person and leave. No, you're always there with us. You're the one that draws all men to you. We just have to be obedient and listen and, and, and follow. And so, Father, we just thank you for helping us with this. We thank you, Lord, for the fruit that would even come from this message here at Alive Family Church and in this community, in our families, Lord, in our workplaces, in our schools, Lord God the restaurants and the businesses, the grocery stores, Lord God, that, man, we could just be authentic, real Christians that love God and and love the people that God places in our hearts. Because, Lord, we know that you love them so much and you sent your one and only son to die for them. So, Father, give us the boldness and the effectiveness to share Christ with others, Lord, in this next season. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.